Hello, my name is Kate Kinjong and you're listening to the Remarkableness Podcast. Wishing you a very happy new year and it's great to be back in 2018. Today I'm talking with the very remarkable Robert Haywood. Robert has spent many years working in Africa for Christian aid in some of the countries most affected by conflict and poverty. I managed to speak to Robert just a few days before he left the UK to go back to South Sudan. From the army to working with Save the Children Fund and then Christian Aid, Robert talks about what led him into this career and the work that he does. So Robert, thank you so much for um, agreeing to be interviewed today. What I didn't say in in my intro is um, that um, you're also a much-loved uncle of mine (laughs) and um, I don't have the opportunity to see you very much, so it's lovely to be here. Um, And I thought perhaps just for... Um, people who are listening, just to hear a little bit about, before we go on to your um, career with um, within Christian Aid and, and your work in Africa and the Sudan, um, a little bit about your background. And I know that you, you went into the army when you were 18. That is correct. I left school and three weeks later I was at Sandhurst where I did a couple, two years training and then went into the Royal Engineers where I served for another 18 years in several different countries, I was Mm. pleased to say, and Mm. working in in the UK, in West Germany as it then was, in um, Falkland Islands, in Oman where I was seconded for nearly three years, in Hong Kong and New Zealand, and I very much enjoyed the army, but mm. after 20 years in the army, I left and became a, a volunteer with Save the Children Fund in Morocco. Mm. And we were just talking a little bit before the interview. Um, when I was uh, seven, um, and I remember because I was actually, I think, in Scotland at the time, we heard that you'd had really quite a um, horrific accident in, in Greece, was it? In, um, yes, I was yes. on a training exercise with three friends and we were trying to we were driving from england to what we then called persia but mm. is now um iran mm. and when we got to northern greece um we'd stopped by the side of the road and were standing there and a lorry came along um from this was in northern greece from turkey and literally just as it came past us one of its wheels came off and it careered into our vehicle killed two of my friends straight away and gave me very serious injuries, mm-hmm. um, head injuries, leg injuries, and um, my jaw was in seven different places. I had um, blood on the brain and all sorts of bad news. And um, I was taken into hospital there where I was very well looked after and my face was put together to a certain extent. Um, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't coming round mm-hmm. and my wonderful nurse sister who had flown out with my mother and my brother to Greece. She, re- she had just done a, a, um, an intensive care course in London and she realised something was wrong so she got a, she asked um, for a, a medical doctor to come out from the UK and the duty army surgeon who was a civilian came mm. from Leeds and was flown by helicopter to Bryce Norton and came and was flown out to Greece with a, a nurse. And as soon as he realized what the matter was, he operated and drilled a hole in my head and relieved the pressure. Yes. 
and um, and from then on, um, I I wore a sort of mask for, of plastic, a sort of plaster mask for about three months, holding my face together. Goodness me! And was then mm-hmm. I was casavacked, as they say, with an aeroplane to um, um, Cyprus, where I had further treatment, and then was flown back and spent three months in hospital in no, nearly five months in hospital in England, mm. and then had a wonderful six months at what was then RAF Headley Court Rehabilitation Centre, which got me back on my feet because my leg had been paralysed as well, but they managed to get that back paralysed um, and the nerves regrew. And and I had a lot of eye operations because my eyes had been um, knocked out of kilter. I had terrible double vision and after three operations I it was, it was much better. And after about two and a half years I was finally declared fit. Mm. But I missed a year at university, but then got back to university and got through that and then back into the army. I was very fortunate indeed. And an uh, amazing story, but I mean, how much of your getting back to where you at what do you think was to do with your determination as well as, as well as all obviously the wonderful care that you had? Well, I was very determined. People said that I had every reason, if I wanted to, to be, you know, leave leave the army mm. on and whatever the how, whatever the system is for leaving the army if you're de- uh, injured. Mm. But I said no, I wanted to stay, and I was very fortunate that I'd been rowing just before uh, the accident. I'd been rowing at Henley mm. for the um, Royal Military College of Science where I was studying, and. Um, and it just happened that it literally a year, exactly the year after the Henley, after just as I was getting out of the rehabilitation, the army suddenly needed <coughs> a st- um, someone to stand into their army crew at Henley, and I was reasonably fit from all the training for all the t- treatment I'd been having at mm. Henley Court. They put you through it in a very good way, so I was able to do that. And the fact that I had um, rowed again within a within a year of my accident at Henley helped. Um, convinced the army, this wonderful <laughs> retired <laughs> Irish um, medical corps general, yes. he'd made me hop hop up and down on one leg to just to prove, and he <laughs> gave me a big wink and he said, "I think I think you'll be all right." <laughs> <laughs> so I was, but I was very, I was determined to get through that, mm. and I had a tremendous amount of support from, well, obviously from my family. My mother was absolutely marvellous, mm. but also from, from the doctors. So I, I wouldn't, without them and all the operations that I had and the care that I had, I would not, well, I probably wouldn't have survived in the first place, but I wouldn't have been back to being in the army at mm. all. Mm. And you mentioned that you, you went to work um, for the Save the Children um, for a year, and we, again, we were talking about it before, and how actually your the process that you'd been, you felt made a difference to to the work that you did there. Um, well, at, towards the end of my army career, I started sponsoring <coughs> a family in in Morocco, mm. um, fam- and I wanted to go out and visit them. So, while in my last year in the army, I visited, went out to visit them. And I stayed at this wonderful school that say the children hadn't had at that time at a place called Chemiset, and um, where they were help a school for handicapped children, mostly um, mostly polio children, mm. and they had a volunteer there that at that time, and I realised then that this was what I felt it'd be very I would like to do, mm. and so I then. Um, put in my resignation from the army very you know all very amicable I was and I and I had a last tour in the Falkland Islands and then went out to um, 
Morocco for, um, for, for a year as a volunteer. And during that time, I, um, I, and the fact that I'd been, and that, that I used to do a lot of exercises and work with the children and take them for walks, and the fact that I'd been through <coughs> quite a lot of that stuff myself while yeah. at Headley Court obviously helped. And, um, and then after that, I, I became their country manager or field director in southern, um, southern Morocco, uh, looking at a, in charge of a, a, um, a, a rehabilitation center and school for handicapped children, which was they were being given um, training in, in all sorts of different crafts, which to help them when they, um, when they finished their schooling, to mm. help them get jobs. And they mostly, again, were polio polio and there was a lot of stigma and difficulties for polio children and right. handicapped children in those days yeah and th th they had a wonderful confidence and they you know they got jobs in in the fields that were, where they were able to do what they want they were able wanted to do mm. Mm. and so that then did that then lead to Christian aid and 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 how and do you think the, the, the you know the course that you took um the accident made a difference to that. Uh, it, it had an impact on the way you decided to sort of, you know, live your life, I suppose, and, and go down the route that you did. Well, I served in Morocco for another three years, yeah. and I then came back and taught for a couple of years and, mm. and took a master's degree in in, um, in development studies. And during mm. that, while I was teaching and while I was taking my degree, I, I volunteered at um, Christian Aid during the holidays and did various reviews and, and evaluations for them. And then when I finished my studies, I went back and, as a volunteer to Christian Aid. And within about three or four weeks, um, I was offered this job. And, um, and once again, having been a volunteer and having got to know the organization with which you we were volunteering and being available when um, when they needed someone in a particular post was a tremendous benefit mm. and I then served for um, for 15 years um, in the UK based in the UK but traveling um, mostly in Africa mostly to do with food aid but not entirely a lot mm. of development work but I also went to um, after, after the emergency in, in Hurricane Mitch in Honduras in um, 1998 I went to um, I went to UK, uh, Afghanistan, and just before 9/11, um, and flew out on the day of 9/11. We were up in the mountains looking at projects, hospitals, mm. and then later on, I was working with. In, I did some work in the Philippines, um, but mainly most of my work was with um, um, in, in in about in Africa, and I during with my time in Christianity, I worked and visited about 20 different countries in Africa, but the main ones were Sudan, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and and um, Malawi and Sierra Leone, but that a lot in South Africa as well, mm -hmm. where I did a lot mm -hmm. of work on HIV, with HIV AIDS. Yes, you were talking a little bit about that before, actually, and, and that, I mean, you were writing, really documenting um, how it was affecting um, development and in, that, in those areas. Well, in my in my master's degree dissertation, I, my, that was a, I, just it was just at the time that people were waking up to the fact about HIV/AIDS. It mm -hmm. was very it there, there was a lot of some literature which came out of Uganda, which was one of the leading agencies, um, you know, leading countries who knew about it and were working um, very well on it, and. Um,
so I got to know and I read about HIV AIDS a lot mm. in and how it affected development and then later on I did a lot of work with HIV AIDS um, people affected by HIV AIDS and their families in um, in South Africa and also in Sudan mm. Mm. and now and most recently um, you're spending most of the time in Sudan I mean I remember you, you know I, I when I speak to a family and I hear you've gone off somewhere it, it always seems to be in some of the most dangerous parts of the world does it I mean how did do you have you had some really frightening moments I mean you, or or do you just you know you know you know where you know your way around and so you just avoid them or well we, we one tries to avoid mm. them I mean there's no there's no point being a hero dead hero <laughs> um and you know our aim is to help people who are mm. affected by these terrible mm. um conditions yeah. um and you know we t on a personal basis we have what they call hostile environment training which which is given to people like our you know humanitarian aid workers and to journalists so that they know they know how to well try and respond and how they take you note know, to minimize the risks um that one has mm -hmm. um you know one faces you know like of things like ambushes and mines and that sort of thing but yeah. sometimes you get caught out and on the trip i was in in October, at the end of last, last year, 2017, mm. you know, um, we'd, just been, we'd been to a village where we were doing some development program and a couple of days later it was, it was attacked by um, the opposition forces and people mm. were killed. Yeah. And um, on the morning that I left that particular area, there was shooting around the, um, the camp that I was staying and they were, the attackers were seen off and it was all right. But, um, but, that, but that generally, mm. we don't have that and we're very careful to tr avoid that. And we, I mean, for example, this place I've just been talking about, I tried to go there twice earlier in the year and both times the security you know adv was advice was don't go there so mm. we don't look for trouble no of course and um, but mm. we trouble is if you don't go to these places you can't help the people who are being affected no. or you can affect you can help them less effectively and um but i think the main thing is that you know in most cases i've had some in, in somalia for example it's been interesting times um but you know, you just take precautions and try and minimise the risk. You can't get rid of them all. It isn't just Africa and other... <laughs> no. There are many countries that are, have, have faced these problems yeah. and you, you do your best to minimise them and you, you know, you're really sad and sorry for the people who, who are affected by the, this violence, wherever it is, not yeah. just in Africa. No, exactly. And so your, your role is to ensure that aid gets to where it needs to be. Um, do, are you dealing? You're, so you're dealing with local people on the ground as well as with <coughs> officials. Yes, uh, I mean yeah. the work that I'm doing now mm -hmm. is a sort of continuation of the work that I was doing before I went to work. I became Sudan Christian Aid South Sudan country manager for yeah. four years. But before then, I was going around the country and these other countries. Um, preparing proposals for funding proposals to put to the governments and other places other people like that the european union and then monitoring the programs and reporting them on, on them mm. and i've been that and since i retired um six, six years ago i've been back with doing that as a volunteer work working mainly in south sudan and a bit in sudan and a bit in south africa and um also zimbabwe but mainly mm. those first three countries and um, and the aim there is to <coughs> go to the program and try and go to the country and support our the local partners with whom we work. We don't uh, in Christian A we don't implement the programs ourselves, mm -hmm. and um, 
and we um, we prepare proposals and then put them to our potential supporters. And if they you know, if they like the proposal, then they give us the money. And then one of my jobs is to make sure that it is being spent properly in the right places on what it was supposed to be spent on. Mm-hmm. Um, and our partners are very effective. And they you know the great thing about working with local partners is that we can um, you know, we work on the ground with people who actually live there who are affected by who are affected by the conflict and um, we work through them as well so that that makes it a, a different way of working but an effective way of working because you really get a real understanding of what's yes yes I mean I mean mm. no the other other agencies do fantastic work and they mm. get very close to the people as well but mm. if we work if we can we work through the churches but they're very often the non-church partners and um and the aim is to, you know, we, we can help them, we can support them, mm. and we are, it's, it is a partnership. Um, but these are sort of, I was very fortunate, you know, that I had this experience I had, you know, over those years, and that I'm now able to go on using it. So I haven't, you know, when I retired, I retired, and after about three months, I got bored of being retired and <laughs> went back and said, would you like me to volunteer? And mm. I've been, and I've volunteered with one other, another organization as well, but that mainly was um, Christian Aid, and I've been very pleased and happy to do that. And there must be an enormous amount of trust that's been built as well. I mean, if they're seeing the same, you know, they're seeing a familiar face every time. Well, um, I think, I mean, the, the one of the, if I have any value at all, it's because I know so many of the, yes. you know, so many of the people, and especially the church leaders, and so I've been around for a bit, and they know because, um, you know, there are some very, very good people in all these organisations, but the turnover is quite um, large, mm. and um, so it helps. I think if people, some people have got what they call institutional memory, and you know, and people have this experience for a long time, and mm. I'm very lucky to be able to go on doing that. And do you th- I mean, obviously, what you're what you're doing um, is trying to you know help dreadful situations, and uh, what is what is the most enjoyable part for you? I suppose, if you could call it that, if if there is enjoyment in there, when obviously you are you're in, as I said, in in you know fairly tra- tra- desperate situations. Well, I mean, the most is when you see that you know that the plans. That I'm not a disaster tourist. I don't want to go. Mm. To, I don't go to places unless I have a reasonable chance that I can, or the organisation I'm representing can do something to help. And so when you see that something has gone in, you know, that is working. I mean, for example, in Ethiopia, when we had a I visited a place where there are thousands of people and I was shown these mounds in the earth which was where they'd buried you know, mass graves of mm. babies who died and we mm. had a program there with a another with a, another partner and we put in feeding and you know and that saved a lot of lives so that's was was good and and this work that I was doing in Morocco you see people who've been bent and twisted poor things with yeah. this um for for years, and then with the, with operations that they had, and with physiotherapy, suddenly they're running around with their crutches on, playing football, mm-hmm. and that is that's you know you can see that the work that the organisation you're working with and supporting and and has been effective. So yeah. you know there are you do see nice results from mm-hmm. what one's doing, mm-hmm. and that I suppose drives one on. Um, but when, you know, it's not always right. I mean, there are a lot of problems, and mm. sometimes you have problems with, you know, with the government and with other people, and you have to be very sensitive. 
because you know it's better to, for them it's better that the program is evidence of, of their work rather than you know mine or the organization mm. that I'm working with mm. um, but no I mean it's it's that's what drives ones on I suppose yeah. yes and there must be I mean immense frustrations I imagine you also have to be patient but also keep a sense of humor around some of it as well Yes, well, as I used to say in the army, if you can't take a joke, you shouldn't have joined. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, in, in a way, it's the same. It's the mm. same, um, same thing. Yes. And um, no, I mean, it's not always right, and you get very frustrated, and mm. it wears you down. But um, but if you're determined, you know that that's what you're trying to do. Mm. And and also, I mean, there's the, and it isn't just a Christian thing. It's Muslims do it as well, and we work with Muslim partners. But you know, they, that's if you if there are people many people who want to help and help they don't want to just to read see people you know in problems on the television they want to do something about it mm. not not everybody can but i've been very privileged and fortunate that i've been able to do that mm. and i know i mean you're very humble and i know you probably won't want to speak about it very much but you did receive an obe um from the queen um in 2000 and Eight? Uh, two, no, um, yeah. 2000, about then, yes, I can't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was about 10, 12, 11 years ago. Did that, yeah. did that come out of the blue? Was that, was yeah, it? absolutely. Yes. Mm. And, and, mm. and that was, um, thanks, I was nominated by uh, people in my hometown and, um, and they, they put, and certainly someone nominates one and then they, uh, they, there are letters of support and it mm. then goes, it is sent to... Um, wherever it is sent to in London and then it takes a year or two you know, to be considered mm. and I was very honoured and it came I was telephoned about a month before it was announced saying you've been nominated would you be prepared to, you know, if, if it goes through would you yes. be prepared to accept it and I thought well that's very I'm very honoured <laughs> and thank you very much yes. and then I'd, I I was given it and um, and I was went to Buckingham Palace and Her Majesty very graciously mm. gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing, well, seeing it actually on video, and it was very exciting. We were all very, very proud. <laughs> and so what now, I mean, you're, you're, again, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you're in your 70s. Um, do you see yourself going on, uh, you know, sort of indefinitely? Um, well, as long as I'm spared <laughs> and, and fit and yes, useful, yes. Um, as long as I can be useful, I mean, you know, and there may come a time when they, you know, they, the people I'm working with have got their own experience, and they mm. they don't you know they don't need me anymore. But then there are other things that one can do, um, you know. And I should look as long as I'm fit and able to help. Mm. Then that's what I will try and continue doing. I've mm. been very lucky. I've had one or two closest clo near escapes, and you know, so it's important yes. to make the best of it and yes. and and you be used. But we shall see. Mm. And the things that you do I, when when you're home um <clears throat> and i suppose on a uh, hobbies and on a lighter um note you, i know you you sing you i sing in the in the abbey abbey choir which mm. i've been doing ever since i arrived here about in 1989 except when i was abroad mm. and that's a great i really i love that and that's mm. wonderful and and um and there are various other things that i'm on trustees of as a yes. Waterloo Action Centre in London, which does fantastic work near Waterloo, and I, I'm on the trustee, a trustee of that. 
and um what do they do I well they that. they're a community they do they do wonderful work with the community they have um um with particularly with different groups of people then there's a bangladeshi bangladeshi group and then they have groups of sewers and they have they take people they organize um trips for people you know to go out and uh, around the place and mm. then there there's a lot it's a real community place and they can go there and then there's lots of um different types of dancing and yoga and pilates and all these things <laughs> which is. which you know which otherwise people would be very lonely and wouldn't be mm. able to um go to and yeah. it's and yeah. it's a wonderful organization and yeah. those sort of things and i and i um you know the other organizations which i Know, help support with mm. and um but the i'm very fortunate that there's a wonderful community here in where i live in my hometown mm. and um so i'm involved in that as much as i can be as well as doing this work you know with other this work with in the development and mm. relief humanitarian field and you're being asked to speak i mean on a you know more and more i, I gather well, as I've, well i've well i mm. i've given one or two talks and <laughs> people and um, and I've t I always take photographs when I go to these places, mm. and mm. and people are really, it's, you know, pe it's people who are the I, f I believe that the people who have been, you know, given the money and who have given the it isn't just money; it's also moral support, and you know, to me personally, but also to encouragement. You know, should know what their support and money have 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 got achieved, and and um, mm. and and people you know seem to appreciate that, mm. and and. Um, and if you can tell them the story and how show how their what their support is, and they they you know, they, they continue and they're very really they're very pleased that um, um, you know to see that how the, how the, the support that they've given is actually having an impact yeah. in the in the countries where you know, they, which they want to support. Yeah, and just sort of in in finishing up, I know you mentioned um, that you started um, by volunteering. Um, and you said before how important you felt that was, uh, and you know what would you, I mean, suggest if, if people have got the time and. Um, well, I think I mean I think well, I mean, unfortunately because of the for various reasons we all know, uh, you know, the the government is able to provide less and less support or and is looking more towards volunteers, voluntary mm. work, which already do a huge amount, you know, in the country, mm. um, and uh, and overseas, and. Um, but if people are interested, even if they can only spare one or two, um, you know, days a week or you know, one day a week or two days a month, whatever it is, mm. that they get, they can work with an organisation, and um, and they can get to know and see whether what if that's what they want to do, mm. and and that's how I've started on two, um, two very prof you know, enjoyable parts of my life with yeah. with um, Save a Children Fund and then with with Christian Aid. And um, and then you can get to know, and then if jobs come up, or if um, if that you can decide whether that's the type of work you want to do, and you can make a, in the meantime you can make a very worthwhile and satisfying contribution. Mm. Thank you, Robert. And I mean, you've made a massive contribution. As I said, I know you know it's not something you, you would never blow your own trumpet about it but it's been a real treat for me just to even spend a bit of time with you because we don't see very much of each other but i'm very grateful to you thank you very much indeed thank you thank you for listening to the remarkable podcast today with me kate Gingell, talking to robert hayward obe if you'd like to comment on this podcast or share it with anybody you can go to www 
remarkablepodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes and you can also find me on Facebook at Kate Ginjol, the remarkableness of us. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.